At the end of the book of Zephaniah, the prophet expresses that in the last days, quote, the king of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Imagine for a moment, what if we took that verse literally and pictured arriving home today from work or school or shopping to find him in our living room? What would you think and feel if he were there? Would there be relief or reservation? Would there be excitement or anxiety? Would you rush to meet him, or would you want to rush to complete some procrastinated act of kindness? Would you be ready or wish you had more time to repent? This week, we study Nahum through Zephaniah and focus on three ideas that can help us prepare for the second coming of Christ. Welcome to the Scripture Study Project. We are your hosts, Krista and Zach Horton, and this is our podcast where we study Scripture with you. Our goal each week is to help you discover new or renewed excitement for God and His Word, invest your heart and personal life into your study, and connect with others as you teach and learn together. Hello and welcome back to this week's study. I am back again this week. I keep ditching out on my wonderful partner here, Um, but I just know how much he loves talking (laughs) about the minor prophets. (laughs) Um, we are rounding up this year and I think this might not be, let's just say it this way. This might not be his favorite thing to teach in all of scripture as he (laughs) has done for many years. Um, we usually start by saying we're really excited for this study and not that you can't be excited for this or that you might not have (laughs) a phenomenal experience, which we hope that you do, but the minor prophets are not. If you're feeling a bit tired of or like this has gone on for a little bit of time and you're ready to move on to something else and excited for the New Testament, then we're right there with you. We're in the same camp. Um, Well, maybe I'm not because I know I've kind of keep ditching out on you, but (laughs) that is beside the point. Um, Yeah, I I think they're kind of sick of us saying we're excited about everything. I think this is refreshing to have something different. We are not excited. We are marginally interested. (laughs) And we, I, I mean... I will just say we've said this too many times too, but I just can't believe that we are rounding out this year. This this episode, as we study Nahum, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah, um, it takes us into December. So we really only have a few more weeks and studies left this year, and we'll finish out the Old Testament. We did it. We almost did it, you guys. Yeah. Good job to all of us on that. You know, I was talking to someone today that um, that was interested in our church. He was actually doing a school project. A university student was doing a school project. Um, and he had to interview members of a different congregational church. And he, so he showed up randomly at a, at a, a event that we were having and started asking questions. And uh, he was asking what place the Bible takes in our religious services. And it was... Um, exciting to tell him how our entire church has studied the Old Testament this year. And when I mentioned that to him, he was kind of taken aback. He's uh, from a Protestant tradition, and I think he was kind of shocked that our entire church has spent an entire year studying block by block, book by book, the Old Testament. Because most of the Christian world, when they approach the Old Testament, they'll pull bits and pieces from it. A pastor will give a sermon on a select few verses from the Psalms or from Isaiah. Um, they know the stories, of course, of the Pentateuch, 
but uh, it's extremely rare for someone to do what we have done this year and go through each book uh, of the Old Testament and really take some time and sit down with each uh, prophet, even the minor prophets that we may not be so thrilled to study. So kudos to all of us for doing this. I I agree. I think that this is kind of, I, I think back on what I've learned from the Old Testament this year, and it has been a lot. I, I know that I have never... I mean, I think I did maybe the traditional read through on my mission of reading these, reading through the Old Testament. But I think that the amount of scripture study that is happening in our church, in whatever form you do that, whether it's our podcast, other podcasts, YouTube channels, you're reading on your own, you're reading in the Come Follow Me manual. Um, I think that we are studying these more than we ever have. Yeah. So. I'm giving myself a pat on the back and Zach's giving you, a pat you me a pat on the back and some kudos. And I would just like to extend that as well. So good right. job to us. And we've almost made it. Woo-hoo. So um, a couple of many years ago, um, I whenever I taught the anything that had to do with the second coming to students, and there's usually a block of scripture in each book of scripture that uh, points to the second coming of Christ. And should we add this in that we're not really big second coming people? <laughs> I mean, I think you've mentioned that, like, not my favorite thing to teach. So we'll add that in too. This, we've got double whammies, but we're talking about it today. Yeah. So what I would do, though, is um, I would queue up on my computer, turn the volume in the classroom way up on whatever speaker system uh, I had, queue up on the computer, Uh, the loudest siren I could find. And then we'd begin class as normal. We would sing and we'd pray and I'd start class, uh, you know, asking how people's week was and talking. And in the middle of a student's comment, I would press play and this giant siren would go off. Um, Students would panic or start. and, um, And in the middle of the siren, I would have them open up to a scripture kind of like... Nahum chapter 1, uh, verse 4 through 6. He rebuketh the sea, and maketh it dry, and drieth up all the rivers. Verse 5. The mountains quake at him, and the hills melt, and the earth is burned at his presence. Yea, the world and all that dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation, and who can abide in the fierceness of his anger? His fury is poured out like fire, and the rocks are thrown down by him. And so I'd read something like that. Or... Uh, I'd read something like Zephaniah 1, verse 14. The great day of the Lord is near, it is near, and he hasteth greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day is the day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and of thick darkness, a day of trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. And, uh, as we read those verses, I have to turn the siren off somewhere in there. We we'll just pause and then ask students, tell me what your emotional response is to the topic of the second coming. And maybe spurred on a little bit by the loud blaring siren, students would respond most often and talk about feeling anxious, afraid, nervous, not a very comfortable topic for them to talk about or to learn about. And whenever it came up, there's always this ingrained fear of what the world will be like, what will happen when the Lord comes. Um, And that's the way we would emotionally start our study of the second coming. 
Well, I think that's something I can identify with too. I mean, I said earlier, which I probably said this in a wrong way of saying that we're not really second coming people, but that idea of often when we study the second coming, it can feel really heavy and scary. And I don't think that's maybe not the focus that we should always have when it comes to the second coming. There are also good things to expect. Well, this is to, to your point, Nahum one fifteen. Behold, upon the mountains the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace. Um, and so I don't think it's the emotion. So we would talk about this in this class. It, we would read those verses that seem to inspire fear and anxiety. But then you would read a verse like Nahum one fifteen, and see that the Lord doesn't desire that we are terrified of His coming. He's not out to make us afraid and certainly not to motivate us into obedience or repentance through fear. Um, And so I think as we approach these books, Nahum, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah, uh, they're different prophets at different times, but similar to the other minor prophets, they have kind of a singular message, which is Israel and or Judah has... uh, or, or the surrounding countries. Nahum writes to Assyria or writes about Assyria and Habakkuk writes to Babylon or the Chaldeans um, and Zephaniah to Judah. But the message is there's punishment coming. There are consequences for your actions, whether it's Judah and Israel, you have turned away from your covenant or whether it's these surrounding countries, uh, you have been prideful and haughty and the Lord is going to humble you. Whatever it is, message one is, There are punishments coming. And the symbolism or the connection to the second coming, many of these prophets are dualistic, which means they're looking at their own day or the near future, but they're also looking into the distant future at the coming of the Messiah and then even looking further ahead at the second coming of the Messiah. And so the comparison is in those days, there will be destruction upon the wicked and those that turn away from God and seek to do wickedly there is a justice and a judgment that comes. However, their message is not just about the destruction. They talk about the destruction to highlight the deliverance that comes. Uh, The description, sometimes the gripping and graphic description of the destruction that accompanies these judgments, whether it's in their near future or our near future, are set so that they provide a backdrop for the deliverance the Lord provides. And so what I want to do um, with these couple of blocks, uh, these these prophets, is provide just a little bit of background to each prophet and then point out from each prophet one thing, one idea that might lessen the anxiety we feel a bit about the second coming. Help us to see it in a more uh, nuanced and maybe a little bit more optimistic light and remove it from this ethereal idea that we're terrified of and make it something that we can actually practically prepare ourselves for. So we're not trying to make you not really second coming people, (laughs) but I think give it a spin where you feel like it's something that you can understand and look forward to, which I think is what we should be feeling. So I think one of the ideas that I like, we'll illustrate here in Nahum, is um, we do, there are a lot of these second coming verses that can feel really harsh. And I think that there's also 
some really powerful teaching and teaching the goodness of God. And so this is illustrated in Nahum verse 2 and 3. The Lord is is a jealous and avenging God. The Lord takes vengeance and is fierce in wrath. The Lord takes vengeance against his foes. He is furious with his enemies. Verse 3, the Lord is slow to anger, but great in power. The Lord will never leave the guilty unpunished. And then if we skip over to verse 7, these contrasting things again. Um, The Lord is good, a stronghold in a day of distress. He cares for those who take refuge in him. But he will completely destroy Nineveh with an overwhelming flood, and he will chase his enemies into darkness. Um, Maybe sometimes we can read the scriptures like we watch the news, (laughs) is that it's much more interesting and maybe a lot more clicks happen online when the stories are outrageous and maybe even scary and dramatic. But let's not leave out the parts that show God's personality, that it's a rich personality. He has that stern and just side of his personality, Um, but he also has this very good and strong and comforting personality that I think is really beautiful that we get to see all of these sides of who he is. And I think when we focus and study the about the second coming, it's important for us to remember not just the dramatic stories, but also remember that God is good and looking out for his people. And I think we can see that a lot from these prophets because they do get a little dramatic and, but they also don't forget to talk about those other sides of him. A couple of weeks ago, I had um, two conversations back to back. They weren't on the same day, um, but close enough that I compared the two. One uh, was a conversation with uh, a member of a different uh, religious faith who in his description of God, God was just, uh, he was the punisher of the wicked. Um, this individual was frustrated in our conversation that um, I um, professed a belief that God would be kind and more merciful to people than maybe we think. The way that he read the scriptures was, no, God is going to punish the wicked, and by wicked, it is anyone who thinks or believes differently than me. It was a very hard line stance on God. Um, and then the other second conversation was uh, with uh, another friend, this one, an individual in our church, who was expressing his belief that uh, the Lord is just loving and kind, and you know, he doesn't really focus so much on uh, standards or expectations because he just loves everybody and he just wants everyone to be happy and everyone to get there in the end. And what's interesting to me is both of those descriptions, they were pulling from experiences in the scriptures. They both had stories or verses to back up their d- description of the personality of the Lord. And I think one answer to both is that that the Lord, just like all of us, is, as you said, a, a, a rich and contoured individual. He is just and obedient and uh, organized. He is also compassionate and merciful and loving. And he's both of those things at the same time. 
And I think understanding that that's the Lord that's coming to the earth again, it's not one or the other. I've heard people that say, well, the first time Jesus came, he was loving and kind. But when he comes the second time, he's going to be the God of justice and the God of anger. He's the same person. He doesn't turn off one side of his personality. Jesus in the New Testament was just as law-abiding and stern with sin and wickedness as he will be in the second coming. And similarly, in the second coming, he'll be just as loving and compassionate and focused on individuals as he was in the first coming. He's not going to change his personality when he comes the second time. So I think it's helpful for us to understand that contoured uh, view of his personality. Honestly, I think that answers a lot of my questions. I know that as we began the study of the Old Testament, for me, it was a lot of like, I'm not going to shy away from kind of the hard things to read and the harsh things, because there's been a lot of that in the Old Testament. And certainly as we've studied these minor prophets who have gone through a lot of really hard things and experienced maybe not that as much of that loving side of of God's personality, um, I think it, I don't know what it does. Does it make it I'm trying to think of the word that it makes it seem for me because I don't want to say that it makes him more familiar, um, but maybe that's what it is. I think it's more more accurate, more balanced. Yeah, and, it uh, makes him feel like someone that I'm... More three-dimensional. Yeah, that you can relate to a little more. Yeah, yeah. Well, the second idea um, from the second book of Habakkuk, um, Habakkuk's kind of a unique prophet uh, because unlike the other minor prophets that we have read, there's a discussion that happens in Habakkuk. It's very kind of similar to the discussion we read in uh, Enos in the Book of Mormon, where the first couple of verses is Habakkuk expressing a question that he has. There's something that he doesn't understand, and then the Lord will respond. And then Habakkuk will respond with a follow-up question, and the Lord will respond with a follow-up answer. So in chapter 1, verse 2, the question that Habakkuk has is, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Meaning, very similar to what Joseph Smith prayed in, in Liberty Jail, how long are you going to let this violence, this brutality, and this wickedness that I, Habakkuk, am witnessing in Israel and Judah and in the world around us, how long are you going to let that go on? And the Lord responds in verse 5, Behold ye among the heathen regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told to you. And then he explains what he's going to do. I will raise up the Chaldeans, which is the Babylonians, that bitter and hasty nation, and send the Babylonians in, and they will put an end to the violence and the wickedness in Judah. To which Habakkuk responds with the question in verse 13, Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he? In other words, how come you're going to let a nation that is more wicked than we are survive and come in and punish us? How come someone that's not being obedient, not trying to be obedient to your commandments is going to succeed when we who are trying are not going to succeed? And the Lord responds to that. But what I like most about this back and forth is this little moment in chapter 2 when Habakkuk expresses what he does to wait for these answers. He says in verse 2 or chapter 2 verse 1, 
He says, I will stand upon my watch and will set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And then the Lord tells him in chapter 2, verse 3, to wait for the the fulfillment of these things that he's prophesying. What I like about that, uh, that I think helps us with the second coming is there's a lot of signs of the second coming that we can read in scripture. And for me, at least, when I uh, get too overly focused on the negativity in the world, uh, there's, there's an impatience I feel for resolution, for the second coming to happen and the Lord to do something, for him to cleanse the world of wickedness um, so that we can live with less contention and less hatred and less violence and less abuse. And I think part of the message the Lord gives to Habakkuk is, I am doing something, A, and B, I need you to be patient. I need you to wait upon this watchtower and watch and see what I'm doing. I've come to learn about the second coming that I don't think it's going, uh, it's, I guess the better way to say it is, we are already in the process of witnessing the second coming. Um, The signs that we have read in scripture are already being fulfilled, which means we're in it right now, even if the Lord isn't exactly here. Um, And that means that we are currently preparing the world and preparing ourselves for the second coming. That takes a lot of patience, um, uh, kind of active patience to wait for um, the Lord to do what he has promised to do. And so uh, part of, I think, the second coming uh, is, is that patience. Well, maybe that's why we all, in different circumstances in our lives um, and throughout our lives, have so much patience to practice. I mean, isn't that the truth of like, oh, no wonder we get so much. At least that's what I was thinking as you were um, expressing that, because I agree. Um, and we've all have lots of things to practice patience on. Yeah. Well, and the follow up point to that connected to it, I think, uh, is similar as the point from Zephaniah. This is Zephaniah chapter two, uh, verses two and three. Um, There's a repeated word here that caught my attention. Uh, Before the decree bring forth, before the day passeth as the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you, seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. Um, As we patiently wait for the second coming. I don't think waiting is an is a passive activity. Um, I think before that day comes, we are to be anxiously engaged in seeking the Lord, seeking righteousness, and seeking meekness. And I think there's a f- fabulous study to be done with those three words and what that looks like for each of us individually. I think there's a lot of application there. Um, but I think it's a powerful idea as we're studying this week and looking uh, for these kind of second coming nuggets and truths to ask ourselves what it is that we need to be seeking or how we can seek the Lord and seek righteousness and seek meekness in preparation for the second coming. And when we do that, some of my favorite verses this week come at the very end of Zephaniah that explain 
what the Lord is doing in preparation for his second coming. We have our part, of course, to prepare, but he is also actively involved in this process as well. And in chapter 3, verse 11, if you follow the word midst, it teaches some beautiful things. For example, in verse 11, he promises, I will take away out of the midst of thee them that rejoice in thy pride, and thou shalt no more be haughty because of my holy mountain. I will also leave in the midst of thee an afflicted and a poor people, and they shall trust in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, the king of Israel, even the Lord, is in the midst of thee. Thou shalt not see evil any more. Verse 17, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Verse 18, I will gather them that are sorrowful for the solemn assembly who are of thee, to whom the reproach of it was a burden. Behold, at that time I will undo all the afflict thee, and I will save her that halteth, and gather her that was driven out. I will get them praise and fame in every land where they have been put to shame. At that time I will bring you again, even in the time that I gather you, for I will make you a name and a praise among all people of the earth, when I turn back your captivity before your eyes, saith the Lord. I love that as we prepare for the second coming, the Lord is also preparing us. Well, maybe there's no coincidence that we are, this episode and this study is coming out right as we find ourselves in the beginning of the Christmas season. And what better time of year to seek after him and come to know him. And hopefully as we do that, find more peace as we anticipate and participate in the second coming of Jesus Christ. Um, we will be back next week and hope that you enjoy the study and also want to wish you happy holidays. Here we are finishing out Thanksgiving weekend and heading into December, which is exciting. So happy holidays to you from us. We'll see you next week.